Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of About to Review. I'm your host, that guy named John, and I am joined by, because he requested this, fan favorite <laughs> by popular demand, Mr. Tim Hall. Can we get a list of people requesting me? I, wanna, I want that. I wanna yeah, let me, let me pull that up real quick. Uh, me. One. It's me. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to be back in studio. Yeah. Good stuff. Last uh, time I don't think, was I in studio last time? You were oh, no, we were no. at Geek Girl Con. No, yeah. was it Luke yeah. Cage? No, oh. we were. Was it? I feel like it was Luke Cage. Let me actually pull up the uh, yeah. my own website because anyway, I cannot remember. It's good to be back in studio. It's always yes, good. and it is. Uh, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Sheesh, I am a mess today. Last time you were on, it was Geek Girl Con. It was Geek Girl yeah. Con. Yeah, we were in Geek Girl Con. Yeah, so we were on location, mm-hmm. not in studio. So we are. Here today, and we're going to be talking about and reviewing two new movies that mm. just came out that are quite different, <laughs> different tones. Both very magical. Yeah, oh, there you go. I like it, yes. The two films we're going to be discussing, uh, the first one is going to be Moonlight, mm-hmm. uh, which is in theaters now. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is going to be Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Which just opened recently. So... Very different movies, uh, but similar uh, in a couple ways that we will get into. Yeah. So, right off the top, uh, how about we go into Moonlight? Moonlight. So, tell the people who... Because when I... So, I have seen this now twice. Yes. I saw it at the Super Advanced press screening uh, with we Tim. Went. Yeah, we went. Yeah. yeah. And then when they had the second advanced screening mm-hmm. i went again we saw it about three weeks ago yeah we saw it yeah. a, a, while ago. a while ago um so I like, oh i gotta tell people about this <laughs> and then we were we were embargoed <laughs> yeah and good good old, good old embargoes yeah uh, so when tim first invited me to it i had no idea really what it was about this one flew completely under the radar which is a damn shame yeah but i mean um, for me like i i'm a big fan of a24 films the right? studio that helped distribute it and uh so I was kind of, it was on my radar because I mm-hmm. love all their films. I'm yep. a big fan. So I knew it was coming. I knew I want, I was going to see it. You mm-hmm. know, cause did you know what it was about? No. But the, exactly. one, but the one thing I do know about a, a lot of A24 films is no matter what you go see, it's going to be different than anything else in the in, Agreed. In cinema, in theaters at the time. So For people who might not know the studio A24 yeah. by, by the studio, because that, that happens. Yeah. Pe- movies come out all the time. Right. One of their kind of smash hits that got them on the map for a lot of people right. was Ex Machina. And Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers was one that of the That was A24? Yeah. Oh, wow. Spring Breakers, Ex Machina, Enemy. Swiss uh, Army Man Lock, was also. Uh, Lobster. Lo- um, was that? With Colin Farrell. Tusk. Yeah. Ooh, t- Tusk was A24? Yeah. Interesting. Tusk. Um, what else was on it? What else was on it that they really did that I enjoyed? Um, so they, they did the, really... The Rover. The Rover. Green, uh, green Room. Green Room. They did Green Room. Yeah. It's a lot. A lot of like really interesting films mm-hmm. and uh interesting, unique End of uh, the tour. Like Yeah. Yeah. They're just putting out really interesting content and Moonlight fits right into and they're diverse with their with their storytelling, with their Very. with their cast and crew, uh, with their directors. Like they really are just like, We believe in this story, we're putting this story out. Mm-hmm. And that was Moonlight. Barry Jenkins second movie, I think the first one was Medicine for Melancholy. 
Yeah, I think as far as like feature film, yeah, um, it was because he did a couple shorts. But yeah. Medicine for Melancholy from two thousand eight, nah. was his was his. Which first. is a great film if you if you Which haven't seen it. I have just not <laughs> watch it. I really enjoyed it. But okay. um, so with Moonlight, right. if people have not seen a trailer, two questions: yeah. one, should they? No. Okay. Second question: Should they? No. Perfect. So, <laughs> I mean, because the, the, I mean, the earlier trailers didn't really give away anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what am I watching? It looks interesting. The music, the score sounds great. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I know these actors. I don't know who these other people are. Right. It looks like there's a lot of energy in this film. Someone. It looks like a professional film. It doesn't look like some something someone mm-hmm. made on their iPhone. Which I think is another, you know, huge benefit that A24 has. Right. When you think about all of their films, no matter how different they are they have that independent movie vibe while being incredibly sharp, incredibly just high production values, great casts, but it has that kind of indie vibe to it, which is a big strength. You know, when uh, they were doing press for Ex Machina and um, I'm spacing on the director's name, he was here. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, what is it like working with that studio? And he said, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said that they're independent studio so they understand how to market independent film so it's like a perfect match hmm. like they understand like wh- where to where to put your energy and effort into getting the word out oh, okay that and you saw sense. that the way moonlight was rolled out like mm-hmm. really smart um yeah. and, and the same would be say i mean no, it's not a tv show but same would would say for atlanta like atlanta's on fx a lot of their rollout was very deliberate but didn't tell you anything about how the show was mm-hmm. but you were like that looks interesting enough for me to try to tune in and watch. And that's yeah. kind of what you want. You want to get people. So Moonlight was like, this is definitely going to get people into the theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully that experience, once they get in there, is what they're looking for. Yeah. The reason that I asked the same question twice, right. it was not a mistake. Anyone who was like, he started editing his show. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Uh, is because I went into this not watching any trailer. Yeah. I saw the image for the poster, read the synopsis, and I was like, you know what? I treated it like a SIF movie. Yeah. A lot of the SIF movies that we saw at the Seattle Independent Film Festival, I would see the poster, I would read it, and I would be like, you know what, I'm going to go in blind. <laughs> The 40 character synopsis, you're like, I guess. <laughs> sure. All right. It looks fun. It's and like so, an action And that some, sometimes is all you need. Yeah. And so I think with this, I would not recommend looking at the trailer either. Right. Just go into it. So my question for you is, like, how, how would you... If, you, if, if we're breaking Moonlight into different genres, mm-hmm. what genre movie would you say it is? It is tough. Uh, because this movie, for those who do not know what it is, which is totally fine, it basically it tells the story of a young man mm-hmm. in a three-act structure, mm-hmm. like all movies, but this is definitive child, adolescent, adult. Right. So it is pseudo-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man who wrote the original play, which was called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue, right. it was Terrell Alvin McCraney. So part of it is like, is it a biopic? No, but it has that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Is it a, I mean, it just like, it is, is it a tough. love story. Yes. 100%. This is, okay. It's a hundred percent a love story. It is. Okay. I mean, this is, this is one of the best love stories I have seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So take from that. What, what you will I, audience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I really think that's, that's the third act. <clears throat> really, mm, mm-hmm. that whole third act is like a date. Yeah, it's like a date. Mm-hmm. The 
the awkwardness, yeah. the the anticipation. So it it is a movie that is really hard to classify, mm. and that is not a bad thing. Right. Some people could maybe latch onto that and be like, "Well, then what is it? And if I don't know what it is, then how can I get excited about it?" Yeah. Just go into it expecting a great story mm. with great characters, and you and you're you good. will not be disappointed. Yeah, you're good. So, other than the other than the three act structure mm-hmm. that I mentioned, how would you frame this for someone when you are talking about it without giving anything away? It's a story about a young man, his relationships, and how they grow over the years. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Which is, you know, I was talking to my friend Maya yesterday, and we were talking about that, and part of our discussion was really just like. I was talking about the third act and how he has a conversation with Kev and she was like, Kev's like, you know, that's not who you are. And she was like, Mm -hmm. maybe that is who he is. Yeah. Maybe that's because we're not the same people we were 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is who, I mean, he had to build, he says, you know, there's a line in the film where he said he had to build himself back up strong, but maybe that's him. Or maybe it's some armor he's wearing because he doesn't want to get bullied or. And I, I would, but what if it is him? And I do not think it is. Okay, you don't think it is? I, I do not because, so, <laughs> without going into too much of this movie, right. other than the, the peripheral things, right. um, the last scene in this movie, or I guess the second to last scene, not the last image you see, the last scene that you see with two people, right. I will put it that way, that vulnerability, it kind of shows that that was armor. It okay. shows that he had to build himself up, be the strong person, be this, be that, when all he needed was that acceptance. Right. All he needed was that moment, one time in his life, right. that moment to just breathe, right. to just relax. To so, yeah, I, I do not think it was him only because of that, that second to last scene. I think that was when you see the armor come off okay so it but i think you know I mean, this film deals with with sexuality and and, mm-hmm. and a kid he's, he's he's growing into like understanding his sexuality and, and either being comfortable with being gay or trying to figure out what what it exactly is he's doing what is gay yeah, what, yeah that's that's you know that that's very long in the film and like Juan tells him like you need to figure that out right now like that's mm-hmm. not something you need to do right now which is which was like an honest conversation with somebody but I think I identified with um, the, these weird hyper masculine things that we attach to to men mm-hmm. as part of growing up. You've got to be this tough guy. You've got to be, you know, you can't cry during movies. You can't right. show certain types of emotions. You can't um, be vulnerable in certain mm-hmm. situations. Um, you can't want to be held. You can't want to, like these are things. Right. There's no way you're doing that. That's Mm-mm. no that that fragile masculinity yeah. that. But it's it's so it's so ingrained in, in what we in our culture, everything Absolutely. pop culture, everything that we we forget it. We forget mm-hmm. that it's something that's ascribed to us, not something that we get to choose necessarily. Yeah. Um, so you're watching someone start to choose who they want to be, um, regardless of whatever the world around him is telling him he should be or. What he's supposed to or be. Or trying to, yeah, trying to make him be. Right. Um, so, on, so we can talk about the cast. Okay. Um, Great cast, by the way. The casting was fantastic. And because this takes place in three different time periods, mm-hmm. 
there are cast members that are in all three, and cast members like the the main. There's like two people who are in all three. Th- yeah, two. I two. guess um, that are in all three. So when you look at this young child, mm-hmm. when you first get introduced to him, he is maybe like ten. He's ten. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tiny. And you start to get this feeling for the character right away. Because you see this innocence Mm. in a society, in a world, in a community Mm. that is not that innocent. But even even more so than innocence, right? We're seeing a little kid being chased and people hurling gay slurs at him. Mm -hmm. He's 10 and he's running and he's hiding in a vacant dope house. Yeah, which is not the place you want to hide in. Not so much. Yeah, that's what we, but that's how we're introduced to this character, mm-hmm. and then you know we meet Juan, and Juan, I'm like, is Juan? Because our first interaction with Juan is him talking to that dope boy on the on the corner. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I'm out here getting it. You know, I'm out here. Mm-hmm. So okay, one Juan, of his employees. Yeah, essentially. Juan's clearly a dope dealer. Got right. it. So I'm like, is he recruiting this little kid to sell drugs? Mm-hmm. Like, is he like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Then you see Juan just trying to be a fatherly figure. And we know nothing about Juan other nope. than that he sells drugs and lives with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's it. But we see, you know, and there's that scene that in a lot of posters and in a lot of the trailers of him teaching Little how to swim. Mm. It's a yep. very real, intimate moment of like teaching someone how to survive. And not only that, but it is trust. Yeah. If anyone listening has ever taught swim lessons or been taught or been taught swim <laughs> lessons like yeah. there are those moments where you were like oh i can drown out they're in the ocean they're not like at some right. community center yeah exactly like they're i mean in the ocean so you see these waves and but that that intimacy yeah that is carried over in one form or another in all three of these acts mm-hmm. was tremendous because it shows it is building trust mm-hmm. it is building intimacy it is building healthy relationships and again, in a community where you do not really see much of that yeah. in the film. And it's funny, we don't spend a lot of time with, with him and Juan, but clearly by the third act, you realize he's learned a lot from Juan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're like, okay, you clearly have latched on to a lot of things this guy taught you. You've modeled your yeah. life. <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of it after this guy who you know we only get a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, and Juan is played... By this man, You're is butcher in, his name. we're all going to butcher his name. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, I try to do my research. <laughs> I try to be a professional and look up how to say people's names. Could not find any Can't other interviewer because everyone's like, "Yeah, cut that. We got it wrong." So if I get this wrong, my apologies. But Mahershala Ali, who we most recently saw or talked about at least in Luke Cage, yes, as Cottonmouth. This man is in everything. He's in everything, which like, is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all because. He is a phenomenal actor right. and an actor who is so authentic mm-hmm. in all of the roles we have seen him in so far. Yeah. Where seeing him in Cottonmouth, kind of the over the top, you know, ruler of Harlem, but he had that ground level authenticity that you were like, okay, yeah, I, I could see this yeah. in this movie playing a similar type of character, but has way more vulnerabilities and sensibilities about him. Mm. It is authentic. Right. Like, it is so believable. And that is a strength yeah. that he has that is incredible. Because he has that incredible run-in with um, with Little's mom mm-hmm. early on. And you're just like, that was that was an Oscar scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. They, they, I didn't, you know, they both, him and Naomi Harris, both uh, 
have this really intense interaction um, on the street mm-hmm. about her son. And mm-hmm. it was powerful. And I didn't, you know, that was like kind of the point where I was like, okay, this is a different kind of movie. Yeah. Because it wasn't, cause you could be stereotypical mom role, stereotypical dope dealer, and these, these sort of cookie cutter conversations that take place. But it was none of that. Yeah. It was, and it was very a very raw, like, you know. And the way it was He's got that really guttural and it's in one of the trailers where he's you know, like, You gonna raise him? Like that's like it came from his soul. Like mm-hmm. he was really upset. <laughs> I was like, Oh, he's he's mad for real. Yeah. He's mad for real. And then there's that scene at the very end, um, of the first act, which I got choked up watching with him and Little and um his girlfriend at the table played by mm-hmm. Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Who is also starting to be in a lot of stuff. Good for her. I didn't know she was that fine. I didn't know she what? could act. How? I, I, How look, have you I've, not I've, seen her in the past eight I've, years? I've failed. I failed Oof. the city. I feel like she is a, this episode of Arrow. She is a, I failed you. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, so Tim is in Oliver Queen's little yeah, book. I've, yeah, I'm in that book now. I failed you. But I had no idea. But she was really good. Yeah. And that whole dinner table scene where, oh. where Lil starts asking a bunch of questions is phenomenal. And then mm-hmm. it just... What's beautiful about the story and the way the way Barry Jenkins sets up the film is it just cuts there. And then when we pick up, there's not a whole lot of filler. Nope. All of a sudden Sharon is in middle uh, high school. High school, like freshman. Yeah, he's in high school. And you're just like, Okay, okay, well then that's Sharon. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's figure out. And so as you're trying to figure out what's happening, you're seeing this young teenager sort of maneuver, and you're not sure where he's at in his life, period. You don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. Um, but they, they do a good job of filling in that information, either through characters' conversations, but nothing like, this happened to so-and-so. Right. It's just kind of like, oh, this person's not around right now, or this person is, or, oh, this is... It's, for me, the, the big character for that was his mom, played by Naomi Harris. But mm-hmm. when we first meet her, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. And she's clearly part of the community, which you know. But the second act, she's clearly high out of her mind. Well, even in the first act, yeah. the first interaction that that she and Juan have is her coming was, home. Is her coming home? And he was like, "Oh, I found him, you know, on that place on Fifteenth yeah. or whatever." And he goes, "You know the one." Yeah, that's fine. Like there, yeah. but that was it. There was yeah. like one line where you could tell that they might not know each other directly. Yeah, he knows about her, or at least she. He knows enough about her to make a, a comment like that for her to yeah. be like what place on like mm-hmm. he knew she knew yeah 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 maybe he didn't know yeah i don't know but they i mean she's clearly you know has her has having a, a struggle with drugs but it reminded mm-hmm. me um that you know we're not like when you see people whether they be homeless or drug dealers or or, or drug addicts like they didn't they didn't pop out the womb and be like i'm a, I'm a dope mm-hmm. fiend like Something they, happened. they get there and it's, it's sometimes it's very gradual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all had family members, and um, and they're like they're whole people who mm-hmm. are struggling with whatever. And your addiction might be gambling or whatever. It might not be something that makes you physically change you or makes you sell right. your DVDs. <laughs> like it might be something else, right? It, your, addition, your, your addiction could be food. Yeah, your addiction could be food, yeah. something or you know whatever, whatever coping vice that, that, that whatever people have. Um, but something like like drug addiction, it's so apparent when someone is tangled up in certain drugs that. It's hard to, to mask, and you see that she at at a certain point during the time when he was a child to when he's in high school could no longer mask any of it. Yep. She's full blown, running around trying to get money, barely home, barely mm-hmm. coherent, um, not really parenting him at all at this point in the film. Yeah, um, he's kind of left to his own devices, and she didn't have a care in the world. But when we see her in the third act, 
she's in a different place in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that's the beauty of people who live long enough to sort of fight through those things. They end up on the other side of it. And if everything goes well, if and everything we, goes we, well, we hope that that happens. No matter what, again, like Tim said, no matter what that addiction is, yeah. there's always that hope that things will turn around. Yeah. And that's, that, that's something or you will. get some horrible phone call that things end in the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so going back to the authenticity, yeah. with Naomi Harris, there were a couple scenes that I feel like she kind of pushed it a little bit, not necessarily too far, but she made she made her choices. And, mm-hmm. you know, Barry Jenkins, yeah. it felt like he gave the actors a lot of trust. Did she turn the attic up way too much? Like, <clears throat> there were a couple, yeah. It's there, on 10 right now. You uh, take yeah. it down to 7. There's there one scene in, in particular where she kind of like stomps upstairs where just, it was a little bit much. Uh, um, I've seen that happen. <laughs> I'm, which I'm not, I wish I was, I wish I was joking. <laughs> right. No, I've seen those things happen. I've seen mm-hmm. uh, parents come home who are mm-hmm. clearly high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, we, were, we used to live in South Sacramento. And my dad had this friend, looking back, this dude clearly was a drug addict, right? Right. Um, but he's cursing, like, I'm not paying this MF for any money. Just going off. My dad's like, hey, man, you, need, you better pay that dude. We're playing outside. Some dude rolls up in a Cadillac, hops out with a crowbar, and, like, beats the mess out of this dude. Oof. And, yeah, but that dude had those behaviors. Mm-hmm. I can see him trying to get money out of his kids, yeah. his friends. I know you. I know you got some money. Like he was that dude because it, it yeah. was like sur- the survival. Like mm-hmm. I know you got something. I need. Let me get it because I owe somebody some money. And when no one would pay up, you see why he was so eager to get money out of people. So those, those portray like that was that was fine. Yeah. Like and that was authentic. There are just a couple of the ways that she delivered a couple lines. Is because she's British. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Is and I was going to talk about that when I talk about Janelle Monet. Both of them were very believable, uh-huh. very authentic, but they both tried to have accents yeah. that never carried through from beginning to end. So I'm not sure if maybe that was something early in the career. I didn't even notice it. Maybe the second time around you noticed it, I didn't even... Yeah. It's so like when, when we first see Naomi Harris, because yeah. this film takes place in Florida, Yeah, uh, Juan is Cuban and he talks about that mm-hmm. kind of briefly. So Naomi Harris has a little bit of an island... Mm-hmm. accent that completely disappears maybe the crack just wiped it away maybe <laughs> i've never done crack i don't know what it does your accent <laughs> it just it takes yeah delete you, get, uh, that, you get that bobby brown jaw and it just completely messes Oof. you up or or dmx and you start yeah just, right shaking, yeah. exactly hey, listen drugs are hell this yeah yeah both you know number on people they do <laughs> and with janelle monet her accent it, again it shifted a little bit right but it was still believable mm-hmm. there, there were not moments watching janelle monet where I was like, oh, this is clearly off of the script. Mm. Like, she was great. But, you know, for me, like, someone like Janelle Monet being this motherly figure, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is much easier to pull off than, like, some British lady going full crackhead. Oh, yeah. Like, unbelievable, like, very scary moments of, like, mm-hmm. yeah, where did you learn to crackhead so well? Like, <laughs> you, you've got it down. <laughs> How, did, how did you? Did, yeah. Did you pull a Christian Bale and study yeah, for this? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like, oof. Daniel Day Lewis, like full on, like I'm living like a crackhead till this film's over. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, no. It's like she. Props to her. Like I've always loved absolutely. Naomi Harris, and so it's good to see her finally getting some shine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if she'll be the person out of this bunch who gets an Oscar nom because I, she's I, in all the acts. Yeah. 
Um, and she's um, kind of a catalyst yeah. for all of it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't see her getting that. But if she did, great. But maybe a Golden Globe. They love Golden Globe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but she's, yeah, she's great. I'm glad it's, you know, I love her in, in the Bond film. She gets to just mm-hmm. have a very small role. She's not Bond, so she's right. got a very minor role. So this is good to see her getting, she's kind of playing three different people. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. She is. <laughs> in, kind of in so much as the, you know, the young yeah. version of Chiron, mm-hmm. um, you know, three different characters, but yeah. it was also played by three different, three different people, actors. Yeah. yeah. For her to play three different characters and have all yeah. of them be believable. That, and it was, Sharon it was had impressive. very few lines, like a lot of, mm-hmm. especially for um, doing the second act when he with the sh- title Chiron. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot of physical stuff. It's yep. not a lot of his dialogues. A lot of the way he walked, the way he carried himself, bumping into people in the hallway at school, not looking up, keeping his head down, mm-hmm. maybe muttering something, but not. He's not having these like really verbose scenes where he's waxing about how he feels about his emotions. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. But uh, but all of that comes through with, with that kid's performance, man. It he, does. He's I, great. And all of the all of the actors who played Chiron, right. little Chiron and then Black, you know, right. at the end, all of them, like, I have no idea if they, if all three of them had the chance to work together or to sit together, do a table read, if Barry Jenkins just was like, okay, this is what is happening. The consistencies mm-hmm. in the portrayals of all three of these different actors, right. those little subtle differences yeah. were incredible. Incredible. Uh, incredible. Especially, it's an incredible story. Yeah, especially in the third act compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. When you see Chiron, who has become a different type of person than he was, finally be around somebody who knew him back then, mm-hmm. and that switch. Right. Like a light switch gets mm-hmm. flipped where he is suddenly back to little mm. like he was in the beginning i mean it it blew me away right um and the score and i, I tried to look up who did the score um it's the fuji album <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> that is not uh nicholas Bretel. yeah it's a great score this score was great like there were only two modern tracks two or three mm-hmm. modern tracks but it has like this discordant symphonic tone that you would not expect in a movie taking place where it takes place and who it takes There's place with. There's that really cool chopped and screwed version of Classic Man. Yes. Play. That's yeah. really dope. Yeah. Yeah. Jadena, man, I want him on the show. You want him on there? Yes. I want him on my show. You guys have matching beards? Really? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to reach out to him. So, Janetta, if you're listening, if anybody is connected to him, tell him to hit Just me up. Just keep reaching out. Just keep reaching um, out. So, yeah, the music, that discordant symphony mm-hmm. that played throughout, it was just unique. It was something that, especially because it starts off with a Kendrick Lamar song. Yeah. So you're like, all right, cool, whatever. But then it totally switches. What, what, the movie starts off? Yeah. In that, well, like in the very beginning, in like mm-hmm. the credits, has the Kendrick song that you said is on your, on your bus playlist. It's not Kendrick Lamar. Oh, well, Kendrick Lamar sampled that song. Yes. Yes. Uh, but the original, I think, is Curtis Mayfield. No, it's not Curtis Mayfield. Who was it? It's, uh, hold on, let me, let me I thought, I thought for sure it was Kurt But anyway, so it starts off with, with a song that, <laughs> that people might recognize that Kendrick Lamar sampled. But that is the last kind of modern song you hear until the Chopped and Screwed classic. Yeah, because that's, when, that's, when, um, that's when, when Juan pulls up. Right. Uh, Boris Garnier, Every N-Word is a Star. You've heard the song before. Everyone yes. has. Very yeah. catchy. 
It's on my go to work morning playlist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get you pumped up. Exactly. It's a beautiful song. It is. And it, and it tells a story. I, you know? It, and it especially, like, it sets the tone it, yeah, for this movie. For film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The last person to play Chiron as, yeah. as black, Trevante Rhodes. Trevante Rhodes. Man, this guy came out of nowhere. Like, I. He made me want to work out more. Oh, sheesh. I was like, I should probably leave One of the guys just makes me feel bad about yourself. I'm eating tacos right now. <laughs> uh, like, he has only been in a, in a couple things. He's in Westworld. He is in, well, for about two seconds. I mean, but he's in Westworld. He is. Um, maybe he'll be back. Maybe. I hope so. You know? Because in this role, he was fantastic. Oh, he'll definitely get a lot of looks. I just hope he just end up in something like about Christmas or no disrespect to that movie but you know what I'm saying like something that's gonna allow him <laughs> that, was, that was some shade on no, about listen, Christmas. no shade to everyone involved in that movie Th- those movies have their place they have their audience people obviously people love them they go out to see them but I want to see him something I don't want to see him in some ensemble like right. this is the black film to see this holiday season mm-hmm. I want to see him in something that allows him to sort of flex his muscles and like literally and literally figuratively. Figuratively. but like get out there and like cause he clearly like in this small 25 minutes 30 minutes like he crushes it seriously so i want to see him with the ability to do more of those things Mm -hmm. on the big screen i think he you know he showed he has the talent to 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 be up there and be vulnerable and he's all these things in one person Mm -hmm. doing a a very short time on screen yeah i want to see more of it yeah but then this is and that's no shade to those types of movies they have their place they have their place they They do do. just and i mean again Tyler Perry, that man, man he will Medea, never get nominated. It. He will never get nominated for an Oscar. No. That man rolls in money. Like, I imagine him having a Scrooge McDuck style oh. vault because he comes out with, what, four movies a year? And they all triple the, the budget? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. So yeah. props to that uh, for sure. But uh, there was something else that I was going to say about maybe it was not Trevante Rhodes. Um, oh, like how we were talking about. Uh, going from act to act. Right. The, what, the thing that I liked, that Barry Jenkins made the conscious choice to do, mm-hmm. is trust the audience and did not feel the need to spoon feed us. Yeah. In the second act, we find out one of the characters is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And you wonder what happened and you never really find out. And that is okay. Because the story is strong enough where he does not need to be like, this happened and this happened right. and this happened, which led us to this. Just go with it. Mm. Um, the only complaint I could see from other people that, that might be a little valid. Some people might say this is slow. I would say it is methodical. Yes. I don't even feel it's slow. The, the pacing is, is different, I will say. Oh, for sure. From, from a lot of movies. Right. So I think that might kind of, you know, uh, be something someone talks about. But I saw it twice. Yeah. And I just, I still feel like it was very methodical. It knew all sleep. Did you? No. <laughs> it knew what it was doing. It knew where it was going, yeah. and trusted the audience. Yeah. No, for sure, they definitely there's, there's a trust in the relationship between the filmmaker and the audience to say, "I'm not going to give you the full puzzle, but you'll mm-hmm. figure out." Yeah. You know, it's like the last board on Wheel of Fortune. I don't need all the letters. I can say that mm-hmm. says American flag. Solve the puzzle. I, I got it. Like I don't need any more letters. And mm-hmm. that's what they're doing. Like we don't need all the letters. Just figure out what the story says or what it, what it means. And all the important pieces are there. Yeah. And one of the important things that, again, Tim and I talked about it last, or two episodes ago when he was on, when we talked about Luke Cage. Right. More so than in Luke Cage, mm-hmm. this does a critical thing which shows 
a black man who is sensitive. Yes. Or a black man who is kind of struggling with that. And then you see towards the end kind of how that, how that has affected him his entire life. Yeah. And so I don't even know if he's struggling being sensitive other than like communicating. Like, like trying to be himself. Mm-hmm. I think he figures out who he is early on. I think, I think Charmone knows he's gay in the second act. But I think, you know, in these communities, it's really difficult. And probably not so much now, but definitely back then, difficult to be out and open in the community and be accepted mm-hmm. and be, not be harassed, not be bullied, right? He's already a kid who feels, he's already alone, right? Yep. He's already a kid who feels by himself. Started being bullied at right. a very young age. At a very early age. Um, for his sexuality, whether he knew it then or not. Mm-hmm. So then when he's in high school and, it's, and he's trying to do everything he can in his life to avoid it, like to avoid those kind of bullies, but he still has these feelings and these emotions. And um, so to see, so I think he's really s- struggling with like, how do I, like, how does he come out or how Navigate does he get through that? Yeah. And who is he going yeah. to be at the other but, end of that and tunnel? For me, that's, that's a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. how do I, be myself mm-hmm. if i love comics and i'm a nerd like how do i be myself and still date how do i you know how, how yeah. do i how do i cling on to these things that are, aren't necessarily seen as quote-unquote black or masculine mm-hmm. and still go out and have a date life and engage with people and and, and build a community and not feel ostracized, not be some nerd who's picked on. And mm-hmm. of course, again, now it's like being a nerd is a cool thing. I can go, oh, yeah, I'm a nerd. Now. Yeah. <laughs> that, but, that was yeah, not the case yeah, for When I was reading Uncanny X Men, that wasn't, that wasn't, wasn't landing me the ladies, you guys, just mm-hmm. so you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that's, that's something I think a lot of people um, will, will struggle with, especially mm-hmm. young men and young women too, like for, 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 for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you ever look at a magazine rack, you're like, I don't know any woman who look like this. Right. Right? I know some beautiful women, but none of them look like that. I can imagine that being my struggle as a woman walking past a magazine rack and being like, if I'm not a size two, I'm mm-hmm. a fatty, which is far from the case. Right. Right? But that's what they deal with. Mm-hmm. Right? Magazines, videos, television, like it's yeah. all cramming these ideas and images down your throat saying, if you're not this, then you're not beautiful. Mm-hmm. So... Which is why I oh, think well. this film is so important. It's a beautiful film. This is one of the most important films that I have seen in a really long time. Because it shows... Are you sure about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally am confident saying this... More is, important than Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill? Only slightly. We still have, what, like five more Adam Sandler Netflix movies? People watch those movies. I I guess. But but yeah, this movie is incredibly important because of what it shows and because of how it shows those relationships Mm -hmm. and the struggles. So uh, yeah, do you have any other things to say about Moonlight before we go to the official ratings? Uh, I I really enjoy Moonlight. I hope people go to see it. I hope whatever uh, preconceived notions you have about sexuality, homosexuality, mm-hmm. uh, African-American culture, homosexuality within the African-American culture. Like, yeah. I think, I hope you push all that aside. Go see the movie, enjoy it, uh, take with it what you will. Um, I think th- there's great performances, a great score, mm-hmm. um, some some great new talent yeah. that emerged from this film. Um, it's, a, it's a film that I, that I enjoyed as I was watching it, knowing that I wanted to see it again, which is rare to be like. Yeah. The first time Tim and I saw this, we came out of the theater talking with some of the other critics, 
And we were like, we want to see this again. Yeah. Like, right now. Yeah, right now. Let's watch it again. It's a, and it's a film you can watch over and over again and take... It's a film I'm gonna, people are going to take clips of and, and discuss in colleges. Yep. Like, here's a clip of Sharon and Kevin, and we're going to discuss this entire scene and what it means. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films. Yeah. Yeah. And th- Powerful. With, and the guy who played Kevin, especially in the third act. Uh, uh, Holland. Yeah. Like, that was also a yeah. phenomenal performance. And Barry Jenkins, his choice of shots yeah. were very interesting because there were multiple scenes where he would be right up close yeah. with a character who sometimes, like Kevin in the third act, was just staring at the camera. Right. You know, so that is what I... It's very I was, intimate. When I, yeah, when I was talking about methodical, some people might be like, why is this happening? What? It is all to set the stage. It is yeah. all to set up just who these characters are. Yeah, so, I'm unclear what's happening in the final scene of the third act. I'm like, what is going to... Someone's going to get... It's funny because mm-hmm. when I was on Chris Lambert's Mundane Festival mm-hmm. podcast, he was saying, like, he thought someone was going to try to rob them. Oh, and I was wow. like, that didn't even cross my mind. Like they kept showing the door. I was like, how oh, they did? But that, that didn't cross my mind. I was like, I didn't know if someone else was in the house. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. I was in, engaged and enjoying the scene, but I had no idea where it was headed. Hmm. Um, and With, it was just beautiful. It's beautiful sort of being in that space of like, I don't, like, you know, like you watch a Bond film and you're like, all right, this is going to happen. No matter how tense the situation gets, right. like Bond's going to get out of the chair. Mm-hmm. They're not going to blow him up with the, with the watch. He's going right. to get out. So you're waiting for him to get out. But in this scene, it's very intense and intimate when you have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the end of the film, mm-hmm. but you have no idea what's going to happen in the next yep. five, 10 minutes. Speaking of doors, I think this is something that I picked up on the second time. So each act, and this is, this mm-hmm. is super film critic-y. Nerdy? You want to say nerdy? Uh, yeah. Okay. The end of the first two acts mm-hmm. ends with a door shutting. In the first act, yes. his mom in a hallway shuts a door. Right. Then it starts second act. Second act, somebody gets into a car. Yes, the car door. shuts. Yeah. The third act, there are no doors that are shut. It is open. Wow. Well, I didn't Boom. pick up on that. That's... So my, just like... I didn't pick up on that at all. So I think something like that, and I just pat myself on the back right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, there were a lot of shots of the door, and mm-hmm. I remember like waiting also. But the fact that nothing happened, to me, visually, emotionally, that door is open. It's a little black boy in the moonlight. So, Doesn't yeah. Blue. Uh, for those of you who have not listened to this podcast before, there's a rating system. And I feel like it has been a while since I've actually done something that actually I rated. Except for, I think Luke Cage was the last thing that... All right, I'm back to... I'm, I'm next. Uh, oh, wait, never mind. It was, the, it was the indie games. So, there are three ratings. Good, bad, or ugly. A good movie is something that you would recommend to your friend to go and see right away. Mm-hmm. Bad movie. You do not feel like you wasted the two hours, but it was not something that you were excited to see again right away. Mm-hmm. Ugly. Avoid. Avoid at all costs. Jack and Jill ugly. Jack, uh, all of the Adam Sandler Netflix not movies? all of them. Yeah, I guess. Okay, we've not even seen all of them. That might not be fair. I apologize. Kind of. Uh, so, Moonlight. Tim, your official rating, good, bad, or ugly? Good. 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 Definitely good. I yeah. hope people... Like I said, I hope people just go see it. Yep. Any way you can. Just go rent it when it comes out. Stream it. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Totally agree. This movie is 100%... Just a solid, no qualms, good. One of my top five films of the year. I think this might be my top three. Oh. Like this. this I, need, I need to look through the year again, but it's definitely yeah. in the top five. Like this movie is 
a beautiful movie. Not just the way it is filmed, yeah. the story it tells, the characters, the portrayals. Beautiful, beautiful film. Good. And I want to tell people, I know it sounds heavy, but you don't walk out of the theater sad. No. You don't walk out like, oh, man. You don't walk out like, wow. You know what? There is. Humans do care. Humans are mm-hmm. good people. So much yep. humans can get it together. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Now, switching gears. We're switching gears. <laughs> to something, something not as... Something equally as magical. Equally as magical. Um, so, Doctor Strange, which just came out this past weekend. It did. Uh, with talk about a cast. I mean, granted, yes, this is Marvel slash Disney. Yeah. Man. We did see it together. We did. And I saw it with our, our dear friend Jessica, mm-hmm. who the curly, curly nerd, nerd, who yeah. is, uh, it's sad. It's one of our final screenings together before she makes her. One of the final? The, it was the final. She leaves. Oh, she's, not, she's not moving to Mars well, for like okay. a one way <laughs> ticket. I'm sure she'll be back. <laughs> okay. Um, but for a while. So, and it was sad. And, um, I'm happy for. I mean, it's 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 always sad to see a friend sort of transition on with life and move on. But mm-hmm. um, I know people probably have just heard Jess on this podcast. But one of the first, I'll never forget, like the first time we hung out, she hates uh, Prometheus and mm-hmm. just like ranted about it. Mm-hmm. It was the funniest thing. Like <laughs> I was like, I never knew someone could hate a film as much as she hates that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's funny and smart and beautiful and brilliant and, and courageous. And I know whatever she does in her new city, she's going to be great at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll see her again at some point. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll, you'll hear we'll, her on the podcast again at some point. Yeah, we'll Skype her uh, in. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she'll be on again at some point, man. But um, she's great. Um, it's all, you know, And I'm, I'm going to miss being able to sort of just hang out at a screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of her tomfoolery that takes place beforehand that never makes the podcast. Seriously. Uh, she, <laughs> or during a stream. She's all those things I said and really petty. So that's that's the best part. That's one of her uh, endearing qualities. That woman loves her snaps. She possibly lo- during she a movie. She loves her snaps during films. <laughs> uh, I we think love we, you, Yeah, I've never gotten kicked out before because of it. But uh, mm-hmm. I was a little bit like, at one point when we were at this screening for Doctor yeah. Strange, I look over and I see her with her phone. I was like, man. She's, she's like, you know, she's one of those people that can't, I don't know, she's got like some cloak on her. No one seems to see it. It's fantastic. Uh, anyway, happy for mm-hmm. uh, safe travels. If you listen to this while you're on the road, on your way to your new city, um, mm-hmm. have fun, kick some butt out there. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So back to Dr. Strange. Back to Dr. Strange. To the screening, which I think it is very apropos that Tim is on this episode talking about Dr. Strange. Because if I we am go, a doctor. Uh, oh, wow, no. that is a stretch. If we doctor. go in the Wayback Machine to April 27th, episode four of what this is podcast, uh, that is true. That was when the first trailer came out. Yes, and we talked about it. And we talked about it. So here we are, a few months later, movie came out, mm-hmm. all-star cast. Yeah, everybody's in it. I mean, Tilda Swinton, Edge Edgefor, Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, Matt, Matt those, Nicholson. Are, those are just the top... Three. Benedict Wong. Yeah. Like it Is it Benedict Wong? My, yeah. My, yeah. yeah, it was Benedict Wong. Um Yeah, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin wasn't it? Bratt that wasn't was it? I was like, hey, surprise. Benji. Good to see you, man. Yeah. Like that guy. Rachel McAdams was Rachel in it. Rachel McAdams was in it. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of hers, but she was good in this. Why and do you hate it? Why do you, why do you hate her? I, oh, wow, I never said hate anything. Uh she just certain actors and actresses when I, I see a trailer. It do not make me want to go and see the movie by themselves. Okay. So that is how I I really of... enjoyed her in Midnight in Paris. Okay. I could see that. I mean, she has given good performances, yeah. but every now and then, like, when I see a trailer, I'm not, like... You're not wooed by her? You're not like, yeah. oh my gosh, I got it. Who, what female actress is that for you? Tilda Swinton. 
I will see almost any movie Snowpiercer isn't. Ugh. Yeah, that was three hours that I might not ever get back. Oh, you're anti-Snowpiercer. Not anti-Snowpiercer. Writing that down in my head right now. <laughs> Here's the thing. Oh, he like Here's a movie. A little recommendation for you. Tangentially related to Snowpiercer. Yeah. Train to Busan. Yes, I saw the trailer for that. Yep. They released a new trailer. South Korean you movie. You Sif, right? Yeah. yeah that I is basically it. Snowpiercer in South Korea with zombies. That's okay. all I need to know. I'm all with it. I'm with it. So, Batilda Swinton. I mean, she is so captivating that when I see her in a trailer, I honestly could care less what the movie is a lot of the time mm-hmm. because she is tremendous. So Even when she's playing an Asian man? Well, she, who said she was a man? Hmm? Didn't they refer to her as she? But at the same time, like, okay, so I looked at the ancient one, and yes, there was a lot of controversy around Benedict, or, <laughs> Benedict Wong uh, about Tilda Swinton playing the ancient one. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. I look at it from the scope of maybe this is like in dogma when they see God at the end and some people see whatever they want to see. Right. <laughs> so I was trying no, to. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, you're right. So that way, because at one point, huh. Jay sees Sarah McLaughlin. Huh. Oh, is it Sarah McLaughlin? I don't even remember the end of dogma. I think. Um, and he makes a comment about her. And Chris Rock was like, What are you talking? Because he sees something different. Mm-hmm. So for me, the ancient one could be kind of that amorphous type of thing. It is a stretch. I, I will totally I mean, they, go there. They, you know, I was listening to Insanity Checks review him and uh, Chris and Phenom did it. And one of the things they were saying was like, <clears throat> and they've talked about this since Iron Man 2, which is like, mm-hmm. you can't do these stereotypical no. age because they're, they're mm-hmm. super racist. The Mandarin. So yeah, it's like all ugh. very racist. <laughs> so I think they tried to, as they said on their show, like they tried to overcorrect. Um, mm. And then, but you get oh, Wong's character isn't a manservant because he's a manservant in the comics, mm-hmm. so you get to not do that. Yep. And then you get Chubertel Ejiofor playing a character who's not traditionally black. Mm-hmm. So they're trying, and I think I think Marvel's learned their lesson. I think they're going to do better. That's I mean that's yep. I, I I can see why people are upset, and if, if this mm-hmm. is a reason why you don't want to see the movie, I, who am I to say? Um, but I think that the reason that they change certain things is I think a lot of it is time period here's the thing okay. if you do not know your history of the silver age of comics most people don't okay i mean so that's if, we're honest like most okay so here's a little, here's a little silver age like, history then all of the villains were very stereotypical portrayals of whatever country they came from like for instance i saw this girl on instagram with this really sexy batman outfit on mm-hmm. she was like i love marvel Oh, this is where we're at. <laughs> oh, that hurts with, 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 with it, it, with it finally being accepted in pop culture, like you kind of mm-hmm. deal with these type of things, right? And so I think that they have to change certain things. Yeah. When in Iron Man two, when they start talking about the Mandarin and the Ten Rings and all of that, no, Iron Man three. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, this is a character called the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. You cannot really, if they had done the Mandarin, and they had done their due diligence, be like. Great, here is an up and coming Asian actor. Here you go. And people are like, What? And he's called the man. You can't scale it one to ten. How racist is the Mandarin's character? In the comics? Yeah. Pretty racist. It's like a nine. He kind of has a Fu Manchu in sort of portrayals. So, again, like, and another one of Iron Man's villains, the Crimson Dynamo, mm-hmm. which is the Soviet version, which they kind of did it with Iron Monger. It's like watching one. 1980s wrestling. <laughs> yeah, Yokozuna. Like the Iron Sheik. Yeah. <laughs> So just, I understand. Yokozuna's not even Japanese. He's like Samoan. Right. 
So just there are certain things you cannot. Who's power really bombing do. people? Yeah, oh, those, those <laughs> are the yeah. bomb. Yeah, yeah. Who's this little uh, manager guy? Oh, Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. Uh, uh, can I tell you, my friend tried to hook me up with a girl who looked like Mr. Fuji. What? Uh, what now? Oh my gosh, she was like, "You got to meet my friend." Oh. <laughs> Total side note, right? <laughs> right. She's, she pulls out her phone. She's mm-hmm. like, "I need you." She's like, "Look at my friend." She's scrolling through all these very attractive young women. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. This is like the Avengers of beautiful women. She knows, right? <laughs> She's scrolling but then through. you got to Hawkeye. No, nah, not even Hawkeye. I got to like Squirrel Girl. I was like, what is this? Hey, hey, Squirrel Girl is pretty awesome. I yeah, like Squirrel Girl. Yeah, 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 of course she did. <laughs> but she, she lands on this Mr. Fuji lookalike. And my friend Marcus is like, we're both like, she's like Mr. Fuji without a hat on. I was like, yeah, she does. What I want to miss, what I want to, why would I want to talk to Mr. Fuji? Then she calls me shallow for not wanting to date like a wrestling manager. And I was just like, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure, I think she, she, and I love her to death. I think she, in the guise of like trying to hook me up with her friend, she mm-hmm. wants her friend married off and figured I'm not uh, a criminal, mm. and so maybe I make a good match for at her friend. At least not here. Nicaragua? Maybe. Like, you know, mm. I did, had some fun in Vietnam. Right. Um, but The country, yeah, not the war. The, yeah, the, yeah, I'm not that old. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, but yeah, I think she really was like... Um, Trying to help her friend out more than she was helping more you than out. More help me out. Mm-hmm. Mr. Okay. Mr. Fuji. Every time I hear Mr. Fuji, I just think of that photo. Like, Yeah. She looks like Mr. Fuji. And then Mr. Fuji showed up. That's the thing we're at. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is rough. So, wrestling, comic book characters. If you're not Mr. Fuji, kind of like odd job in... Yes. In... in um, Goldeneye. Or Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Yes. So A random task. Written yes. <laughs> Who those yeah. Brilliant. Uh, sorry about the the side. Yeah, just, no, it's fine. So, but it does it does go to show you. Yeah. Certain time periods, you could get away with certain things. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it is it is going to be difficult if you wanted to be as comic book accurate as you can. And there's no there's no real need to be quote unquote comic book accurate. Like we're smart enough as a mm-hmm. culture to say, how can I take this super offensive character and sort of frame them in a way that doesn't yep. offend large <laughs> sections of the population? Mm-hmm. We can do it. We're smart enough to if we can write in all these infinity stones in these movies, we can figure mm-hmm. out how to how to try to and set, and it, like what I like about what Disney did was kind of come out and say our bad Mm-hmm. Instead of like doubling down like some movie studios, I'm not going to say any names, who doubled down. After the last airbender. Yeah. Who doubled down on like, well, well it's kind of my vision for it. Gods of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sell the movie with Muhammad so-and-so. Mm. Yeah. It's none of that. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, our bad. But, it, this, but this is the same, the same Disney that's behind Spider-Man Homecoming. If you've got a mm-hmm. chance to scroll Whew. through that cash, you're like, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Or even The Flash. Even The Flash the TV, TV show. Like, people are... It, Oh, I think people gosh. coming into Love these movies without knowing the Silver Age, Golden Age, whatever, right. that is okay. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody grew up with it. So they need to make it relatable to the current climate. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you cast more diverse people. Right. So, But, but even, like, even in, in Doctor Strange, when he walks, when he finally gets into the place to get taught, mm-hmm. he assumes that this old Asian man is the ancient one. Yeah. It's showing his yeah. own arrogance, but that's how we are. Like if you said you're going to be taught by, you're going to be taught some sort of mystic arts. And mm-hmm. I walked in, there's an old, ancient guy with a long beard. I'd be like, "That's the guy. Mm-hmm. You're the teacher." And it, you know, that's on me to be sort of that very Kill Bill esque. Yeah. Yes, you know, flipping his very pussy. much Pai Mei. So, so with this with this film, yeah, uh, the all star cast is great. Well, we didn't talk about what the film was actually about. 
So the film is about, I mean, and Doctor Strange is, again, one of those characters that a lot of people, this will be their first introduction. They might not have ever heard of Doctor Strange. Unless they were paying attention to our Captain America's soldier. No, that's right. Yeah. uh, What did he say? He's already on the list or something. He starts naming people and he says Stephen Strange. They even mentioned him in Spider-Man 1, I think, with Tobey Maguire. When he was like, what are we going to name this? Oh, Spider-Man 2, and they were talking about Dr. Octopus. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we going to name this guy? Blah, blah, blah. And one of the characters, Dr. Stranger, was like, no, that's already taken. So they mentioned him way back. Yeah. So, but other than mention here and there, this character is something that people might not know. So, yeah, his whole world is, even if you know who he is, the whole strange universe is mm -hmm. strange and needs an entire introduction. Yeah. And I'm glad that they gave him his own movie to introduce. Yeah. All of this that they introduced. Yeah, because my friend was compl- her complaint yesterday. She texted me was like it was a lot of talking. I said, well, they had to kind of explain to. like because it's not the same world. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of explain like here's this is this world this is how it works. Well, think of Thor. Yeah, Thor first comes out. Most people know of Thor, maybe not from the comics, but Norse mythology. They could give you a Thor action movie, and you'd be like, all right, cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Thor. If they give you a Doctor Strange action movie Jeez. that you did not know it like you would have no idea you mean like what fox does wow i like how tim says you know i'm not gonna name names i'm just saying like that's what fox <laughs> did with apocalypse yeah apocalypse needs explanation there's like mm-hmm. nope he's apocalypse yeah bad cgi and then let's just explain they don't they don't explain his powers they don't explain mm-hmm. this little magic bubble he's in yeah does, does he have a sling ring how does he travel mm-hmm. we don't i don't know i don't know how he travel i don't know he got in this little purple ball to fly around yeah. I don't know how he's how he can somehow touch you and like completely change your fashion sense. But he needs four horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> For no reason just, just whatsoever. To, just to get Professor X. He gets lonely. You know. He doesn't need Professor X. He doesn't need anything. No. Yeah. Anyway, they don't explain him well. But, right. But they do in Doctor Strange. Yeah. They give you a good framework of not only what Doctor Strange could be. Right but what the rest of the outside Marvel world is. And how much he doesn't know. Yeah. Because, again, it would be kind of a cop-out if he goes there, learns stuff, and then knows everything. He, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. They yeah. do a good job of letting the story build. They do also a good job of showing his arrogance. Yeah. Because that was one of Doctor Strange's personality traits from way back in the day. Super arrogant. Super. You know, brilliant, brilliant science. He jokes about it. Like, he put the warnings in front of the spells. Mm -hmm. But he's just like, ooh, what's the spell? Let me do it. Without knowing anything what he's doing. He's just like, ah, I'm smart enough to do it. Uh, With Wong, Mm because he does go into the library and there are some great, great scenes with Benedict Wong. I mean, Benedict Wong at least gets a chance Mm -hmm. in kind of the third act to to do some more stuff. Mm -hmm. So I liked that. There was a pretty severe lack of. Outside of that core cast of people of color, there were no real women of color in this movie. Like, so that was kind of interesting when he is doing martial arts mm-hmm. at this, you know, ancient school. Mm-hmm. You see all of these students who then are nowhere to be found during other probably pivotal battles where they could Maybe have they used weren't some ready. people. They weren't ready. I, but they were doing stuff before Strange was. They had their sling rings. They were doing some magic, and Strange was just mucking about. Getting little sparks going, yeah. And we still so the movie essentially Stephen Strange's a doctor, mm-hmm. super arrogant, 
kind of a jerk. Oh, not kind of. But like, we don't really get the jerk nonsense until after he destroys his hands. And he's just mm-hmm. like ripping into everybody about yeah. how they can't help him fix his hands. So then he finds out that some crippled dude learned how to walk again, run, played by Benjamin Bratt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Meets him. He's like, hey, man, I went to this thing and like, you're going to pay a price. He's like, mm-hmm. uh, how much? He's like, yeah. I'm not talking about money. Mm-hmm. Makes his little, his little trip, meets um, Mordo. Mm-hmm. $2.04. And uh, Mordo's like, I heard you're looking for whatever. So introduces him. She shows him all these different astral planes and whatever. Mm-hmm. He's just like, ah, feed me more. He's crying. And finally, she decides to teach him. And he's, he starts to learn. But what he starts, to, so, but he, as he's learning, he starts to question what he's learning, mm-hmm. which more people, because it's like, it's like people joining a cult. They come in, I'm homeless. I almost died four times. I overdosed mm-hmm. six times in the Norseman bathroom. I find this cult. <laughs> this and is very, like, very specific. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. This, <laughs> right. this is my life, you guys. Um, I find this cult, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not questioning because they're feeding me and they're yep. healing me. So maybe I don't question the fact that there's random cups of Kool-Aid around. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so most people who, who run into the ancient one are barely questioning. They're just filled with all this power and knowledge. They're just absorbing. But um, the strangest whole thing is like, I, well, I need to figure out how this thing works. And so he's starting to question. The more he learns, the more he questions, the more mm-hmm. he kind of, above all the other students, figure out what's actually happening. Yep. And then he's introduced to this whole, he's like, man, I'm here to get my hands healed. Like, no, yeah, we protect the earth and these three, uh, what are they called? Sanctums? Yeah. Four sanctums. The sa- sanctum sanctorums. Yeah, yeah. Sanctorums. She was like, uh, yeah, I just trying to get my hands fixed, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm living here for some otherworldly intergalactic mm-hmm. fight. And then, of course, they're like, but, you know, we've been searching for you. And, and I did like how, because it would be too easy. Yeah. With a lot of these, Steve Rogers and everything, right. like, we chose you. And he was like, cool, I guess I'm Captain America now. Yeah. With him, he was like, whoa, uh, what? Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. Can I go back to my old life? Yeah. He was like, so I can go back to being a surgeon? She was like, if you want to. Like, she was like, why would you want to do that? Right offended. Yeah. Did you not? Yeah. Yeah. So, but so he ends up sort of reluctantly getting pulled into this fight mm-hmm. and having to sort of, he's not courageous. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I guess I got to, I'm, I'm, like, Mortar tells him, like, no, you were fighting to save yourself. You weren't mm-hmm. protecting anything. Yeah. You won the fight because you're trying to save your own life. And so, which is a very real thing for, for Strange. And, you know, of course, all that comes full circle at the end. But they do a really good job of sending up him not necessarily being a hero and being a guy who's really very selfish. Mm-hmm. Even, and, th- and I think that will carry over. Yeah. Even at the end of the movie, when certain things have transpired and, you know, there's a resolution, I still think that that arrogance, because, I mean, that... That is a core principle of this character. Mm-hmm. It's so, so much far, start, right? Exactly. So far, Marvel is trusting their characters and the audience to be like, okay, this is what is going to define this character. Steve Rogers, it is honor. It is duty. You know, it is all of yeah. that. This is a great Avengers uh, animated series, and Thanos is using like some one of the stones, and he has them all believing that they beat him. Mm. And Steve Rogers is the one who's like, ah, something's not right. Right, like he because he's so pure, like he can sense something isn't necessary. Like mm, this too is, perfect. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Red Skull's locked up. He's like, that's weird. Like he's kind of acting different. So he's the one who ends up breaking out and like freeing the rest of the Avengers. But it's that, yeah. They the, the movies have really stayed true to that to, to those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're gonna need Strange to fight Thanos. That's a thing that's gonna yeah. have to happen. The, yeah, if you've read if you read Infinity Wars, mm-hmm. you know that that's a, that's a thing. But um, now, do you think? So outside of outside of the 
You get all choked of, up? <laughs> I was gonna say, outside, of the, <laughs> outside of the cast <laughs> and their performances, this was the biggest visual spectacle of any Marvel film. Mm-hmm. The only one that would come close would be Guardians. Yeah. No, you're right. I thought it was going to be a whole bunch of Inception buildings flipping and flopping mm-hmm. on each other, but it's more than that. And, yeah. they, and they use 3D for depth perception, like... Which, whenever I see it, I'm like, gosh, why don't more people do this more? Mm-hmm. They really add texture and layers to a film, which it's important when you're doing like multi-dimensionals and like different astral planes to add that sort of uh, that sort of effect. This is the only movie recently, other than Jungle Book, mm-hmm. where where I where I would suggest people see it in 3D. A lot of times, you sure forget not it. Jack and Jill in 3D. Man, <laughs> are, are you? Are they paying you? I just saw it. I just saw oh. it like a thing. I saw a thing and it stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, like Jungle Book in 3D was was amazing. Yeah, Jungle Book, Life of Pi. Um, yeah, but it just it takes something different and unique. And so this movie, there were parts of it where, I was, where like it gets you like where you kind of sit back in yeah, your chair for a it's second. It's a little trippy. Mm-hmm. It's a little trippy, but but not. It's not overdone. It's mm-hmm. not, and it's you know. I was surprised at how seamless it all looked. Yeah, it all like sort of just like meshed like well together. Which you know, now did kudos you to think, them. Did you think the? Because I know that Jess, uh, <laughs> the interdimensional stuff when he is kind of being forced through the planes. Yeah. Did you think it was too much? And I was looking for like Easter eggs the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is that? What are they going to show? I think there was one. What, what was I it? I mean, and this, this would be a deep cut if they decided to do this. Okay. But there might have been a reference to Shumogorath. Yeah. Uh, Shumogorath was this giant tentacle monster, kind of yeah. very Lovecraftian mm-hmm. Cthulhu type thing. When, they, when he is going like the nether mm-hmm. realm or whatever, I almost said nether regions. Yeah, that that's a different Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, wait for that parody. Yeah, that's which coming we know, out. Yeah, yeah, we know it will happen. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to say what I thought they were going to call it. Um, Never mind. This is a so, show. So with, Dorm- <laughs> with, with Dormammu and his world, yeah. they, could, they could do something like a Shumagorath, like yeah. an ancient demonic creature. Because now they kind of open the doors. Oh, for to, sure. To do those types of things in a different way and in a believable way compared to the other Marvel films. Because that was what I was concerned about. And I think you were also, when you start tying in the mystic- mystical yeah. side of Marvel with these ground level characters, like how is it going to work? Oh, I'm excited. They opened the door for what I hope is a murder fest for Infinity Wars. Oh, it is going to happen. I was like, yes, now we can just murder people. <laughs> we can just murder everybody. And ruin people's childhoods and then you know bring them all back yeah or some of them and And some of some of them for some contrived from some different parallel i was just gonna say for some contrived reason they will not be able to bring this version of this character back but i can tap into this and bring this version we got riri williams look at that she's iron man now yeah and robert downey jr i think he only has one left and maybe a different version of him shows up Mm -hmm. maybe it's a different tony stark who's not iron man who's just a rich billionaire yeah, it opened up for so many of those possibilities with, mm-hmm. this, especially with a lot of these contracts running out at the end of this next phase for Marvel. It's a brilliant move. It's mm-hmm. it's wow. They're yeah. really just they're preparing. They're preparing, and they're five steps ahead. Just in else. case, it's, it's really just ugly. in case they want to go down one of those paths, they can. It's Other like, studios, it's like, it's like a great NBA player with, with court vision. Where you're like, mm-hmm. you're like LeBron. How did you see he was going to be open like five plays ahead? 
Right. Like it's it's that it, they're really operating in that in that vein, and it's it's crazy to watch and almost surreal. Because <clears throat> if you told me this five years ago, I would have told you you were a liar. But mm-hmm. to see it sort of unfold, to see them put money and time and energy behind getting these characters right, getting the castings right, getting the stories right, taking people's suggestions. Yeah. It's a party every time something comes out. Mm-hmm. It just did 80 mil this week. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do, you, what do you want? Like, what more do you want? Mm-hmm. You want them to perform them in, in your house? That's what's coming next. Like, we're going to okay. do Infinity Wars in your house in front of you <laughs> with all the actors. Um, but no, I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to, I mean, the next three movies are Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, and mm-hmm. Guardians 2, which I expect all of them to be hits. The, hits. Again, like, they cannot, I mean, Thor is the only wild card, mainly because the Thor movies have been the ones that have performed the least. But they still made a grip of money. It's really going to take Kevin Feige going on like a Mel Gibson rant to ruin this whole thing. Yeah, it will take. It's going to take that restructuring and like so an far, absolute racist <laughs> scandal. Yeah. Other than that, man, they're 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 really pushing forward, man. I'm one of the one I'm of the, a sucker for them. Though. I, I'm kind of not the right person to ask. One of the things that I am glad they did not do, but I kind of wanted a little bit in this movie. So mm-hmm. in the comics, a lot of times when Doctor Strange would be doing spells, he would yeah. say something. The yeah. wings of Watoon. Yeah. The, the vines of Citarac. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of waiting for that. And he even mentioned at some point when he was reading, he was like, these spells are kind of long. Are we supposed to say these? Even to me, I was like, there you go. There you go. Like, at least they recognized, because it got ridiculous in the comics. Even in like, because similar to like Harry Potter. Yeah. Towards the end, when someone is casting spells at Voldemort, and he was like, oh, you still say that out loud. That's cute. Because yeah. it, it is not necessary at a certain You're level. You're not supposed to say his name. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, no, you're right. I, I did enjoy uh, the Easter egg phone call that he got. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It, made me, it made me smile like a little kid. Well, I and popped did, like an eight-year-old. I was like, oh, this is so great. Did you catch both references? Okay, what was the second one? Me and my friend were trying to figure that out. The second one. Is, so, and this is in one, I want to say one of the trail, trailers. Uh Stephen Strange is driving along and he gets yeah. a, a call on his phone. And he's a, yeah, he gets a phone call. Yeah, he gets a phone call about some new cases, you know, new hospital cases. And they're like, oh, we have a, an Air Force soldier who's yeah, an experimental armor. It's a back injury. So, duh, Robbie Rhodes, you know. So, Rhodey. Yeah, like Rhodey, like that, that was a nice little touch. But the other one, when they're like, there's a, a woman with an implant on her head, uh, split personality something like that that could be carol danvers they could like that could be a captain marvel kind of thing yeah this is something about electricity mm-hmm. so because brie larson has yeah. already been cast as captain well, marvel cast that could be really interesting if, if that was but then again that makes sense marvel does stuff like that just in case you know if someone does latch onto that and they're like hey that's that they could easily be like oh yep that was her but they yeah, could also he, on the other on the flip side be like no that's that there's like i remember was it iron man two or three where there's like um you're on on one of the screens is hulk it's like one of hulks hulking out somewhere mm-hmm. it's just on the screen in the background it took me like four times to be like oh my gosh that's the hulk back yeah. there like destroying everything even in iron man one like they showed wakanda on a map yeah. in the background they had no idea at that point that they're going to make a gajillion dollars right and end up making a Black Panther movie, they're like, you know what? We're just going to put this here. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah, I wonder what kind of... Um... And then there's the post-credit. So this is important. So we will not spoil these, 
But keep in mind, there are two post-credit scenes because Marvel, <laughs> Marvel is just, they're doing it to us again. There's a mid-credits scene and then a post-credit scene, like at the very, very right. end, which is way more important than the mid-credit scene. I think without yes. the... Well, so, you think, so you think the one at the end was way more important? Yes. The one at the very end, because I think people, the next time they see these characters, if they have not seen that post-credit scene, they'd be You're like, right. wait, wait, Because right. if you don't know about Doctor Strange, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, Sinestro. I was telling just this mm-hmm. after the movie, like, of Sinestro and Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. They're like, what is Sinestro doing here? They're like, oh, gotcha. This yeah. Is, of, the, co- in, of course. Inevitable one that inevitable like, turns. Ah, so. I can do better. Mm-hmm. So you get that at the end, um, but his reasoning is solid. Absolutely, it I mean, is. He's clearly an evil sob, right? Solid reasoning. Well, um, again, like Mordo in the comics mm-hmm. was a Transylvanian yeah. guy. So, like again, he change, looked weird too. Change. Oh yeah, super. Weird. And such a good actor, man. And he's yeah. a good bad guy. I remember seeing him in uh, uh, Firefly. What Firefly? Was it? Um. What was that? I think I know what you're talking about. But yeah, it just like they... The Flat TV show movie. What is it called? What am I having you are totally a humongous spicy. brain fart yeah. to that? Anyway, yeah, he's the bad guy in that. He's great in that. Mm-hmm. And he was the bad guy in something else that I watched. One of my favorite movies of his that I only remember every now and then, mm-hmm. Red Belt. Yes, Red Belt was good. Red Belt little, was amazing. Those little uh, pebbles. Yeah. Yeah, Red Belt like, was great. And plus, to have a jujitsu movie... That people will actually watch. Yeah, Red Belt was good. I forgot he was in Red Belt. Yeah, that was incredible. That um, but yeah, so so hopefully you, Strange shows up in, in the Thor movie. Oh yeah, oh he will because of something that happens. Um, some stones, some, some stones. Yeah, some stones. Uh, I did like how the cloak uh, yeah. was kind of sentient, and you see cloak that in some funny. of the trailers. It got. I mean, it was a little bit slapsticky. It was yeah. a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek. But in the comics, it was the cloak of levitation. Yeah. Like again, Marvel does not need to spoon feed us. No. When you see this cloak in the background in some of the trailers and then the movie, you know what it is. You know he's going to wear it. Obviously, but then, like when, it's when on the poster, yeah. When they see him wearing it, they're like, "Oh, the the cloak chose you." And he was like, "Oh, all right." That was it. Yeah. <laughs> like they did not need to be like, "Oh, what is this cloak? What does it?" Just mm. go. Just believe in it mm. and just go. Yeah, I love that thing he throws on. Uh, yes. looks, that little the armor that was restraint device amazing mm-hmm. yeah I was like that's a really cool effect like yeah yeah, yeah. The, the effects in this were incredible what would you go right now if you had a sling ring if I had a sling ring oh so the, the sling ring <laughs> just cre- creeping in there yeah Jay-Z I hope we're not here well no because you have to imagine it really well you so see it. the sling ring is basically the, the transportation the teleportation device that all the sorcerers use mm-hmm. in this that would be a good question where would you go i don't know man i would maybe i would go in the future and then that that way I can binge. can you do that eh, if i envision it uh <laughs> well with with other you're gonna go could, november 9th see what happened oh no i would go like four <laughs> years down the road and then just binge watch all of the marvel movies that have come out since then and come back and spoil them for people <laughs> much. show up at theaters opening night that would be amazing captain rogers dies everyone he's dead what yeah shocking yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You know, <clears throat> Cumberbatch is great. Mm-hmm. It'll be good to see him pop up in other mm-hmm. movies. Because now they don't have to explain anything. He's like, this yep. is who he is. It's his character. Here's some of his skills. Here's something he's learned that's new. Here's, uh, here's his enemies. Did you believe his accent? No. His accent, 
and this is just I don't something mind. I, like, I like Benedict. It's like it, it totally it works, right. but you can tell that he had to lower his voice mm-hmm. and speak a little bit yeah. slower. He was on SNL last night, same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I missed it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss anything. Oof. You didn't miss much. Okay. Um, didn't one funny sketch that was like, why has Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch hot that he was on? Was so really one fun. funny sketch. Oh, you mean like most of SNL for the past 10 years? Yeah. Hmm. Per episode, they get about two. Next week, we'll see Chappelle and Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait for that. Cool. Uh, so I think that was all. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, also. Oh, little, Steve, the, Steve Ditko, one of the original artists for this. Yeah. Would be incredibly proud of the visuals, I think. Yeah. Because when you look back on some of these, like, Ditko had some of the trippiest out there influences, and they nailed it. That last sort of, like, fight scene where Mm -hmm. things are moving around was great. It's like, can't believe we're getting this in a film. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And this movie was a lot more, you know, because like you said it before, like, the comics are really trippy. It's Mm kind of dark. It's like magic and, like, ancient demons and characters like Dormammu. But... It's funny. It's light when it needs to be light, and it's heavy when it needs to be heavy, and mm-hmm. like. But it's it's funny. It it remains, you know, in the vein of Marvel, which is like let's keep it light, let's sell some toys, let's get some kids in here. And it has a soul. It's got some and soul I think to it. a lot of this, a lot of the Marvel movies, they have that that some other movies and some other companies do not. No, you're one hundred percent correct. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that, that was that was about it. Um. So, good, bad, or ugly, what do you give this? Oh, it's a good. Definitely. See it in 3D if you can on IMAX. Mm-hmm. And again, this is one of the rare ones. Cause I, I have, not two and a half hours. I've hated on IMAX and 3D before. This one's kind of worth it. Yeah. Like, this, kinda, this has enough it. visuals where you're like, okay, I get it. As opposed to forced visuals like other movies have done. Even This comes from someone like myself who wears IMAX glasses on top of his glasses like a super nerd. Mm-hmm. It was well worth that sort of pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's like six eyes. Oh, man. It's the worst. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. (laughs) It is kind of weird. It is. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, So what else? uh, What else do you have going on this week? Do you have any? Is there anything that you are excited about? Any excited about life, John? Excited Uh, about life. Writing about little kids and scary movies at some point this week. Okay. Um, Review coming for Arrival. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be on... uh, the Insanity Check podcast in a couple of weeks with nice. Chris. It'll be post-election, so it'll be fascinating to see Ooh, what, what we're talking about. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about whatever. Probably. Will the internet still exist? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Right. Al Gore still will be around. Um, oh, good. The series of tubes. Yeah, I'll be doing know. that. Um, I was on Chris's Chris Lambert's mundane festival podcast. Mm-hmm. It was great. I was on Cinema Squabble this week talking about some of the same things and the future of film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of that. A lot of just hanging out, watching movies. Trying not to put on weight this holiday season. Oof. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> and NBA is back. I'm just, mm-hmm. It's my baby Lakers. I'm wearing a Lakers shirt right now. He is. Baby Lakers showed up. They beat the Warriors. Um, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm How happy. many times do you think that is going to happen Listen, this year? I'm happy they're not the you-know-what show they were last year. Yes. It was not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So now I can wear my Lakers lanyard with pride. There you go. Yeah. Cool. As for me, uh, tonight, actually, the night that we are recording... I am seeing Lauren Hill, which I am very excited about. I hope she shows up. 
at on, some on, point on tonight. Super, super CP time? Because, yeah, but she was playing with Fela Kuti's band. You might need a time travel for that. You might need a time travel. I might need my sling ring <laughs> to go in the dressing room and be like, yo. Like, yo, Boogie, what's up? Why Get out there on stage. Come on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. So check out my Twitter and Instagram. I will probably put up some pictures of you that. Should. Um, should. Yeah. So where can people find you? They can find me on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, peoplescriticsblog.com, uh, peoplescritic, uh, C-R-T-I-C on Twitter, mm-hmm. peoplescritic on Snapchat, Instagram. Yeah, find me, interact, send me a message, tell me how much you loved hearing me on John's show. Mm-hmm. Um, be, be one of my many fans, one of the two. I was like, you... you including you, my nephew, probably my nephew. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Jess, so maybe yeah, three, you know, Damien, four. Maybe. We're, we're getting close to like five people. Wow. Uh, but I, have, yeah. I have not put myself on that list it's, yet. It's quite all right. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, come check me out. Hit me up. It'll be. I love talking about movies and anything. Cool. And for this uh, podcast, you can find About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Uh, we are on iTunes. Always appreciate the subscriptions and five star reviews. Uh, you can stream the episodes from the website directly. Uh, so aboutreview.com. I also have some added notes on there. So, for this episode, we talked about Moonlight and Doctor Strange. We both gave both of those movies a good go see them. Moonlight, in particular, gorgeous, gorgeous film. Gorgeous film. Love so, it. yeah. Uh, for this episode, I have been that guy named John. This is Tim. And we will see you next time.